Hey everybody, it's Associate Pastor Jeff Boyette here at Grace Chapel Fairview, and welcome to our podcast. Our prayer for you today is that you will lean into the message and that you'll walk away feeling inspired and changed, bringing you a new perspective on how Jesus is moving in your life. Let's join Pastor Ian. It was uh, really unfortunate last week, first time in 13 years of, of, of doing this sort of ministry, preaching on Sunday mornings. I always wondered what it would be like to wake up on a Sunday morning and be like not able to attend church. And I figured it out last Sunday. So uh, I appreciate y'all's grace for that. I'm glad nobody clapped. That was good. Um, comforting. Glad you let them here. So uh, it, was, uh, it was a rough week. I did watch with a, uh, with a, a bucket by my head and uh, it looked like a beautiful Sunday for sure. So um, what's that? Thank you. I just like to be graphic. I like to tell you all my details. So uh, uh, that said, though, I want to talk today, and, and, and we're going to dive right in, but, but this idea of, of expectations versus reality, right? And, and so, so, so expectations versus reality is such a, a, a pivotal and such an important part of, of life, because, because I'm pretty convinced that, that the more we have expectations that don't align with reality, I think it's safe to say that disappointment and disillusionment is the distance between expectations and reality, right? So if we expect something to go a certain way and it actually goes this way, that the farther the gap between the two is how disappointed or disillusioned or confused we will become. Can anybody relate to that? Jerry's in. He, Jerry's confident about that. So so the truth is, is, is this happens on big levels, big spiritual levels. It also happens on very non-spiritual uh, uh, levels. And, and so I got to talk to you this morning about my marriage. But <laughs> she loves it when I do this. Um, a few years back, this was way back, and I might get this story wrong. So I'm glad the lights are down. I can barely see her face. So. I, Amanda was wanting, I gave her a, a, a ring and it was, it was this beautiful antique ring. It's what she said she wanted. And I found one, my family had one, so I passed it down. It was such a beautiful thing. And, and ultimately I just couldn't afford anything else at the time. And so I gave her our wedding ring and she loved it. And she goes, Hey, I would love a wedding band. Like, you know, that thing that goes with it. And I'm like, Oh, don't be greedy, you know? Uh, but <laughs> But she really wanted a wedding band, and for years, you know, she's, she's wanting this beautiful band, nothing audacious, nothing crazy, just a wedding band, a simple band. And, and it was a known thing in our home that she wanted a wedding band. She's not, you know, somebody who wears a ton of jewelry and ton of stuff, but, but she just wanted this wedding band to go with, like, kind of complete her wedding set. And, and so, of course, it was time for a gift of, of some sort, and I don't even remember if this was birthday or anniversary or what, but... It was Christmas. That makes more sense. <laughs> so I'm always getting you such wonderful gifts. Um, and so I just get the bright idea, like, I know she wants a wedding band, but I'm thinking earrings. <laughs> Don't think too much, husbands. And so I'm thinking earrings, and, uh, and I go to this lady, and kind of weird, like, I think back on it, I'm like, how did I even meet this person? Like, it was like, in like a mall behind me, it was very shady, it felt weird. But, but I buy these, with these uh, diamond earrings and that's all I needed to say. Like saying diamond earrings is like, yeah, I'm an awesome husband. But when you looked at them, they looked more like stones out of a creek. But, 
they weren't big and they were kind of rocky looking. I mean, they were cloudy for sure. But either way, I put them in one of those cool little jewelry things and and I went to Amanda and I was like, I'm so excited to give you my gift and I, let's, I want to go on and give it to you. And so I pull out a box that looks like a ring box, right? I'm not thinking anything other than I'm the man because I just got my wife diamond earrings for Christmas. Like, look at me, guys. And, and, and so I'm all pumped up about it. I hand it to her. She's like, oh, yeah. And she can't hide what comes next. She opens the box and sees my little pebbles in there and goes, what? What? I mean, and I will say, I don't think it could have, like, they, these could have been the perfect uh, diamonds on the planet, and I think she would have been disappointed. Why? Because she didn't want diamond earrings. She just wanted a ring. And, 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 and so even though they were terrible diamonds, I think that's why she might have been more disappointed. But but the disappointment was just all over her face. And, and it was like, I'm going, I got you diamond rings. And she's like, I'm not even sure these are real. But either way, I didn't even want those. And so expectations created a, a, a disappointment, right? Because she wanted something that I, weirdly enough, just decided to go a different direction. But, but it didn't matter what was in that box. Why? Because what she wanted, what she longed for, what she had spoken about, what she had shared with me was that she wanted one thing and I went a different direction. And that causes a bit of disappointment. It causes a bit of confusion, especially when she's wondering, why did I marry this guy? But, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is uh, that's, I mean, you know, she's amazing and she's not all about, you know, stuff. That, that's, that's really beside the point. The point today is to say, hey, sometimes in life, if we don't set appropriate expectations, we will live in confusion and chaos and disappointment. If we don't have a proper expectation of what is real, not what your emotions want, not what you think you want, not what your position wants, but what's actually going to happen. If you don't have appropriate expectations, you will live a confused, disillusioned, and an upside down, turned around life. Because you'll constantly be thinking for a thing, and it'll constantly be letting you down and confusing you and turning you around backwards. And, and Grandpa John, in his letter, absolutely addresses this as we open chapter three. As, as we've continued to progress through this story, John is, is articulating some expectations, setting some expectations about how to live this Christian life, talking to a church, talking to a community that has been turned around, disappointed, and backwards because what they thought it was going to be like, it wasn't like. And they allowed the confusion and the, and the, 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 the dysfunction to cause fracture and brokenness right here amongst them. And so he's writing in clarifying, bringing expectations forward and saying, hey, this is what life in the kingdom is really like. And so as we jump in today, I want us to hear it through the lens of how are we setting expectations in order for us to really know where do I belong? Where do I fit? Right? Let's read together. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. It says, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. 
Therefore, the world does not know us because it didn't know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it is, has not yet been revealed what we shall be like. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he, Jesus, is pure. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And we submit just the, these next few minutes to you and say, God, have your way. God, help us to open up our hearts in such a way as to hear your words, not a guy's ideas, not, not just a, a, a religious ceremony. But God, right now, would you speak, oh God, to the heart of your people, to the heart of your church, to set expectations so that life doesn't flip us upside down and turn us around and push us out on our way, but that we would be steadfast in who we are, both in your eyes and in this world. We honor you today, and thank you for these moments we share in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Behold, what manner of love is this? And, and that opening phrase, I, I love the word behold, so much so that I put it on my arm, but that was a second anniversary thing. But the the whole idea of behold is that it is, it is this annunciary, that's not a word, it is a, an, an announcement of something to come. It is, a, it is an attention grabber. It is, it is not to be read as just, behold, what manner of love is this that the Father, that's good. It's behold, like, look, it's coming, look what's over there. And none of you looked, but that's okay. Um, behold is this, powerful word that's an attention grabber that sends your eyes in a different direction. It is to snap you out of the mundane and to go, hey, we're at chapter three. I've been writing for a while. Look, there is something incredible. There is something when we're talking about setting appropriate expectations, it all starts here. Look at the love of God that he has for you. Look upon this love. Look at what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. You want to start an appropriate expectations about life, start at the love of God itself. And so look upon this love. And, and it says, look what, with intentionality, take a minute. Don't just be passive. Don't miss it. How much of our life do we just do we zone out looking at a screen, driving by, and, and we, we forget to see the beauty all around us? And, and he's saying, hey, I want to help you right now. I want you to see some expectations. But, but it starts by looking upon this love that God has for you. And, and what manner of love is this that, that, that's also, it, it's, it's translated in, in, in an interesting way. This is a special type of writing, and, and, and it's, it's talking about love being exotic or foreign or extraordinary. He, he's saying, look, look, behold, what manner of love is this? This is exotic love. This is foreign love. This is, this is extraordinary love. This is no common love. This isn't something we've seen before. This isn't something you, you, you know about. This is, this is a brand new thing. God's love for you is, is beyond what you've commonly assumed. And he's saying, look at it. Because when you look at that love, it will change everything around you. And as we pursue life, everything is vying for our attention, right? 
except the humility of God. Everything is longing for you. Look at the pressures of the week to come. Look at the busyness of your schedule. Look at the, at the bank account. Look at, how, look at how few people are here. Look at how, how few things you're selling. Look at how few interviews you've got coming. Look, 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 look. Look on this Facebook page. Look on this website. Look at this thing. Look with your eyes. And God's saying, hey, look at this. I have an extraordinary, unique, foreign, exotic love for you that is uncommon and otherworldly. And the more you put your eyes on it, the more you focus on it, the more you, you abide in it, the more your life is going to be prepared and the expectations of your life can get set so that when hard times come, they don't break you. Because make no mistake, hard times will come. You can't stop it. It's like trying to stop the wind, or the scriptures say, it's like trying to grab oil with your hands. You can't stop it. You can't, you can't prevent it. You can't make it different. You didn't do anything wrong. Somebody needs to hear that today. Just because you're in a hard time doesn't mean you did something wrong. It means you live in the midst of a broken world, and the more you can look upon the love of God in that moment, the more you can set an expectation that, that hard times are coming. It happens on the just and the unjust. It, it, it happens to everyone. It's not something we're exempt from. And, and if somebody sold you a bill of goods that said, when you follow Jesus, you're going to have an easy life, I'm sorry, they lied. But the reality is, you will have a blessed life. You will have a, a good in the sense that really good, not in the sense of your emotions will feel good. Not in the sense that, that all, your, all the circumstances of your life will feel good. Sometimes it's going to feel like you're going through it. Because you are. And, and the truth is, is he's saying, hey, behold, look at what manner of love that God has bestowed on us. What? That you could be called his child. When you take the fact that God made a way for you to become a son and a daughter, and you hold that against anything else, it pales in comparison. There is no struggle or strife or pain or, or thing that, that I can go through. That, that undoes or that breaks or that, 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 that devalues the fact that he made a way for me to be called son of God. He said, Ian, welcome home. There's nothing that can happen to me on this side of the earth. And that's an audacious thing to say. But nothing can come against me that God is not bigger and better than. And so when we say, look at what manner of love has, that God has bestowed on us, it's not just some phrase. Somebody needs to write that on their, on their mirror in the, in the bathroom. And as soon as you wake up in the morning, you know you're going to be in the thick of it. You walk in that bathroom, you do your thing, and you look at that mirror and you recite it. Look at the love that God has bestowed on me that I can be called a child of God. Because in comparison to whatever you're facing, and I'm telling you, it's real, I know it, I've been, like, I get it. I don't get a pass on this just because I'm a pastor. Uh, my life is hard. There are things I go through that I go, oh my God, I can't do this. But I'm saying for all of us, 
We have to behold and look what manner. Look at the kind, look at the crazy, radical, audacious, wild love God has bestowed on us that we get to be called his kids. And, and when we grab that, when we live in that, when we abide in that, that begins setting the expectation accordingly. And in the midst of a crazy life, in the midst of busyness, in the midst of, 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 of oppressiveness, in the midst of feeling like the world starts turning on you and everything is, is going wrong, have we ever snapped back and said, wait a second, I'm a son of the king. I get to enter eternity forever with Jesus, not because of what I've done, but because he saw fit to call me home, to come and sacrifice his life, to, 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 to live a life, to, to die, to be, to be resurrected and to be, to be ascend into heaven, all so that I could be made whole and made right with God. If you start thinking that way, if you start dwelling on that, it'll change the trajectory of your day every single time. It'll start changing the way you approach things, changing the way you think about things. If, if you rehearse that narrative before you walked into a big meeting, it would change the way you saw the meeting going. Good or bad, who cares? I'm a son of the king. And what that does is it prevents me from needing stuff from other people. I don't go into the meeting and need you to like me, need you to like my product, need you to like my idea, need you to like my proposal. I can just be free to be me. And then I'm free to love you because I have beheld the love that God has to call me a son. We can practice this and it could shape our life. Romans 8, 38 and 39, if we just want to talk about what is that love of God that he's bestowed on us, it says that in Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's his promise to you. When you read that list and you hear those words, what part of that doesn't feel like it's big enough to cover your stuff? You see, the truth is, is this is a superseding kind of love, a love that is overwhelming to, to the pressures and, the, and, and, and it, gets, it gets us out of thinking that God is just a, a, a really good version of dad. And it makes you realize that he is the superhuman, overwhelming, sovereign king of the universe that also calls you son. And so the truth about that is it changes and you go, hey, all my problems are out here and then God's out here somewhere and it goes, no, 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 here's all your problems and here's big God. And so when we realize that we've been called sons, it reorients, it reshifts our thinking to calibrate and to set expectations accordingly. That nothing can come against us. No death, no life, nor angels, nor principalities, present, things to come, powers, height, depth, or any other created thing. And as we jump into this, we've got to follow John's lead and start remembering that the love God has for you isn't simple, basic, or common. 
He gave his son. He made a covenant. He made a way. He came and did what nobody else could do. He bled. He died. He rose. He conquered. And he ascended. He sent. And he called. And he did it all for you. No matter where you've been or what you've done, it's available, it's unique, and it's extraordinary. What manner of love is that? He did it all so we could be called his kids, that we would find our home in him, that we would find our destiny in him, that we wouldn't be confused. It is the plan of God for our life. He goes on to say, therefore, uh, the world does not know us because it didn't know him. And this is where I think it's another piece to the setting expectations. When I read over that, it's like it goes fast, right? That's when you just go, yep, okay, cool, got it. But I think it's fascinating because first you got to say, all right, anytime you see the word therefore in the scriptures, you've got to ask the question, what's it therefore? So you got to go back and go, okay, so he's talking about the love of God making us sons is a huge thing. So, so because of that, this, therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. So because of the wild love God has for us, because we are in his family and we live not in the kingdom of this world, but in the kingdom of God where he rules and reigns, the world is not going to get you. And I think this is fascinating because I don't know about you, but like a lot of life is spent asking a question, where do I fit in? Does anybody dare to think back to middle school? Oof. If you're in middle school, I love you. We're praying for you. You're going to get out soon. (laughs) But you think back to those times in life where, where, where everything in you just wanted to belong. Everything in you wanted to figure out where you fit. Everything about life was was spent just trying to get my identity. Now listen, I've been a big boy my whole life. (laughs) That's not, it wasn't a joke. (laughs) Somebody laughed like, I don't know. I have. I went into five years old, no, maybe six. I went in, I was going to be a a football, uh, uh, you know, I was going to play football for the first time. I thought it was so cool. And Brentwood Blaze, I walked in, and from the from outside, you know, from like, I walk in the room, they're like, yeah, double striper, which I think back on now, and I'm like, what a terrible way to identify kids. Like, okay, he's a tolerable way, he's a double for sure. Like, and what all that that means is the double stripers are too big, they can't hold the ball. Like, because probably they'd kill somebody, right? Like. So you're a double striper. So they, they walk in, they're like, double striper. And I'll never forget. I'm like, okay, cool. What's that mean? And I'm like seven or something. I weighed like 105 pounds. I'm like, golly, man, you're a big old boy. And so I'm a lineman for sure. But, but the truth is, is, is I walked in and, and, and there's, a, there's a moment where you go like, hey, I'm a, like, I, I belong here. Like they, all the coaches are like, yeah, Ian's a, he's going to be great. He'll be a lineman. And I was. I was a lineman all through high school and almost played some college ball. But but there was a season in middle school where I was trying to figure out where I fit in. And so a big old guy like me, it makes sense. I should try skateboarding. <laughs> Some friends of mine got into it. They all had the cool boards. I'm a gear junkie. Like you could tell, I'm like, I'm into badminton. I'm like, dude, I'll do some research. I'm going to find the coolest badminton thing. But, 
That didn't start as an adult. It was a kid. So I'm like, oh, yeah, man, we got the Tony Hawk 19-whatever game and, and just excited about it. And, like, I'm playing on a game. I'm like, yeah, I could probably do, like, some kick flips and stuff. Every time I would stand up on a board, I thought I was going to die. But, like, there was a reality where it's like I just wanted to fit in. All of my friends had, like, the Jinko pants, and they were really wide and big. And, and I thought that was cool at the time. And, and my mom would never get them for me, so I would always just try to stretch them, you know, like, ah. But I wanted to fit as a skateboarder, but it just wasn't ever in the cards for me, right? Like, like people that say things like, you can do anything. I just have a little bit of a problem with that. Why? I was a double striper. I couldn't hold the ball. And so I learned early on, you can't do anything. You can do some things, but some things aren't going to be a good fit for you, big guy. Skateboarding was not in the cards for me. I feel confident I probably could have done it if I had some otherworldly like ambition to, to you know eat salads and only learn how to balance on a board. I probably could have figured it out, but I don't think I was ever gonna be the next Tony Hawk. Like, like there's some things that you just go, you're just not a good, that's not a good fit for you. And, and I'm not saying cap your dreams, you know, don't hear me say that. I'm just saying. It is what it is. <laughs> it wasn't in the deck, right? Like, I'm a preacher, not a skateboarder. So, so the truth is, 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 is the way we, we set expectations, the way we prepare and, and figure out how we fit in the world is important. The way we, what we learn about ourselves through the process is important. But there's also some times where somebody needs to tell you, hey, Ian, it's just not a good fit. Stop it. Go back to the football field or something. Like, this isn't going to work. You're going you're to break your legs. You can't even stand on it. That is a spiritual truth as well. You see, John says to them, therefore, because of the crazy love you have, because of the crazy love God has for you, because you're called a son and daughter of the king, you will not fit in the world. Because he didn't fit in the world. You won't find your home. You won't find your, your roots. You won't find acceptance. You won't find what you're looking for in, in, the, in, the, in the world around you. And as believers in a season where the church has grown very, very weak and very, very confusing, where the world looks kind of like the, the church and the church looks a whole lot like the world. And, and all of a sudden there's this intermingling and this, this kind of like we don't know who we are and we're just kind of all about this thing. And, and man, I'm, I, I'm not trying to pick a fight, but I, I saw something the other day and it just bugged me. Somebody goes, man, is this a, is, you know, they're talking about this big event and there's all these things and, and it's believers and non-believers and we're celebrating love and this. And, and somebody went, is this a Christian event? And they went, well... Christian, you know, I don't know. And, and, and the whole point is, is it, is it they should just be able to say, yes, we are a bunch of believers believing that love is going to transform a city. And there was just this kind of waffling of like, I don't know who we are. We're just, we're celebrating music and love. And it's like, ooh, <laughs> what? What is that? Because for me, it's like, listen, we're, I'm not trying to be the best musicians in the world. I want, to be the, I want to be the people that are able to proclaim who Jesus is loud. 
We want to talk about the one thing that makes us uniquely different. I'm not even going to get started on Christian movies today, but it's bad. I would offend somebody. But the, the truth is, 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 is that we need to get a grip and, and, and grab a hold of this truth that John says, hey, because of the love that you have, because of the love he has for you, you're not going to make sense in the context of the world. You're not going to make sense when you try to, to kind of be in the game and out of the game. Right now, I'm probably in the frame and out of the frame, so sorry, online people, but but the truth is, is you're not going to be able to kind of ride the fence and, and try to fit in the world and try to be, be a son of the king. Like, like it doesn't fit. And something about the, the world around us, we long to fit in so bad that we want to be all about Jesus. We want to be all about that love. We want him to, 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 to quiet our storms and to calm our pain, to take our suffering and to, 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 to love us. And simultaneously, we want to look, act, and feel exactly like the world around us that is hell-bent on the destruction of your soul. And John is saying it's not going to fit. The world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. And listen to me. Gone are the days where we can play both sides of the line. We can't both live simultaneously in the kingdom of God and try to be of this world. We are called to live in the kingdom of God. We're called to be from the kingdom of God and live in and around this world to make an influence for a season. It says, but, but, but this life is but a vapor. We are foreigners just passing through. This is not our forever home. That's why we are different and we should live differently to give a model and an example and a guide. That doesn't mean we should just take all of our religiosity and rules and just condemn the world around us. It means that we should be so good at what we do that people go, what's up with you? That we should be such a marked difference in our ethics and our values and the way we live out everything that we do. That people go, what, what is the deal with that? What, 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 what is the deal with this, this, this place that you, that you, you lead? I mean, what, what's the difference with this, this business that you run? What's the di- why, why are you the only plumber I know that, like, that does the work he says he's going to do and, and, and honors me in the middle of it? It's because of the Jesus I love. Adam, Adam, you run a, a, an insurance company. It's like, it's like to run an insurance company differently because you love God. To show the world I love God by the way I run a business is different. Because if we try to do it the way the world does it, it's not going to fit. It's not going to make sense. Our, our, our being, our, our soul will revolt against us. Because it's saying, listen, the world is not going to get it. You're not from there. It doesn't know us because it didn't know him. And he goes on, he says, beloved, now we are children of God. And it hasn't been revealed what we shall be like. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And I love this language here. It gives room for this mystery that's to come. Meaning we don't know yet everything about Jesus. We we don't know every single thing that is to be known about God. That's what makes him God. He is great. We are are people. And so, so, so we don't know everything about him. But we do know some things about him. 
And so as he says, hey, listen, you want to get good expectations about your life? You need to behold this manner of love God has for you. You need to understand that you're not going to fit in this world. You're not, it's not going to make sense. It's not gonna, the world's not going to accept you. The world's not going to be kind to you. It's not going to treat you well because you're not from here. And, and the more you live out who God's made you to be in the, the kingdom of God and the world and influence he's put you in, then the better off you're going to be. Stop trying to live like they live. That's not going to work. And the truth is, is we don't know what he's going to make us like, but we know when he appears, it's going to be like him. And so that could leave you in a place where you go, well, man, I don't know, what's that mean? But the truth is, we know a lot about Jesus. We, we know a lot about the way he is. Real quickly, I've got nine points for the sermon today. I hope you're not ready to go. What? We'll go quick. Nine points about who Jesus is. I promise this is going to go fast. Number one, he counsels us, he fights for us, he fathers us, and he brings peace to us. How do I know that? Isaiah, oh my gosh, somebody's calling me. <laughs> Who did it? He counsels us, he fights for us, he fathers us, and he brings peace to us. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That is not an unknown part of who Jesus is. That is who he is. And if you're not experiencing him in that capacity, you are missing something he wants to give to you. He wants to counsel you, fight for you, father you, and bring you peace. Number two, he's full of grace and he's full of truth. One, uh, I'm sorry, John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He, we beheld his glory and the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Number three, he sympathizes with us. Hebrews 4, 15. For we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Number four, he embodies humility. Philippians 2, 7 and 8 says, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and behold, uh, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. He didn't come in beauty. He lived out humility. Isaiah 53, 2, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground, he has no form or com, uh, comeliness. And when he, we see him, there is no beauty that we would desire him. It's fascinating. Like, all right, if, I'm, if I'm making the, the plan for how to, how to enter into the world, and it's like, man, this is just my brokenness, and it's kind of silly, but are you going to intentionally make your look unappealing? Think about that. Could, could Jesus not have looked like, I mean, however he wanted to? But, but he chose to, 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 to reserve that and, and recognize this has nothing to do with life. It has no, that's, that's a delusion of the world. He came in humility. He lived it out. He didn't just talk about it. He did it. 
Number six, he's miraculous. Matthew 17, two and three, it says, he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. If you have some, for some reason, let go of the fact that, that Jesus isn't just good, he didn't just die for you one day, but he is living, the living embodiment of the miraculous here on earth, then you're missing a fundamental part of who he is. If we've let go of that for some reason, some disappointment, some, some confusion, some, some expectation versus reality moment, then we need to recognize like that, that's a lie and I need to grab a hold of it. Jesus is a miraculous king. He can do all things. And just because he didn't do it the one time you asked doesn't mean you should stop asking. Just because he didn't do it the way you thought he should do it doesn't mean you should stop believing. It just means that you are submitted to the sovereign will of the king that, that has given you freedom to ask any way you want and then be comfortable to know that his ways are better, higher, more wonderful. And so if we, we get disappointed in that moment, it's because we didn't believe something that was right. We didn't grab it in the right way and we missed something. We go, wait a second. There was a moment there where I stopped believing Jesus sat on the throne and I started believing me and my wants sat on the throne. And so we've got to go back and go, wait, wait, Jesus is miraculous. Number seven, he's full of wisdom and grace. Luke 2.40, it says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Number eight, he, was, he is real and he's not imaginary. John 20, 27 says, then he said to Thomas, reach your finger in here and took uh, and look at my hand. And he reached your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. You see, Jesus is not some ethereal mist that we just kind of pray to and wonder about. He has a body, it's risen, and he is in heaven. There is, he, is, he is located there. We're not talking about some, some God that's just an idea. We're talking about the risen king of the universe. And he's real. As real as us. But yet this mystery, right? Number nine. He has favor with God and man. Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. See, beloved, we don't know what we will be, but we know we're going to become like him. This isn't a mystery. We don't have to guess. The beautiful King Jesus is all of those nine things and more. The world will hate him, and the welfare for the world will hate you when you become like him, and that's okay. And it is the embodied moment that we realize that final line in this verse, the final line in this piece that we're looking at today, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. The more you grab a hold of this, the more you reflect on him, the more you recognize that the world is going to resent you for becoming like him. Why? Because they resented him. The more we become like him, the more they resent us, the more we then reflect on him and remember him and know that we're going to become like him. We purify ourselves just as he is pure. And so there's this, this, this 
expectation setting, this, this, this perspective shifting, this looking upon the right stuff, thinking the right way, not trying to blur the lines, but, but focusing on that which actually will change our life. And the byproduct is we begin to purify our life, our soul, our being. And pure, purity matters. This isn't talking about purity in the sense of, uh, of like a, you know, don't, don't kiss your girlfriend in high school. This is talking about purifying that which has been distorted or disdained. Purifying the, the, the brokenness of our thinking. Purifying, the, you know, I, I think about purifying water and, and, and living out in the country. We used to live out in Williamsport and, and, and Jerry and them in their basement. It looks like, I mean, wizardry is happening down there. I mean, the water comes in from the well and it goes through the UV lights and it goes through all this stuff and it comes out of the charcoal and it comes and it goes from stinking like sulfur to being very palatable and tasting great. Purify yourself. Just as he is pure, clarify, take the stank out, get the brokenness out, get the sediment out, get the, get the truth in and get the lies out. That's what he's saying happens when we set expectations and we look upon Jesus, we stop trying to conform to this world and we let the kingdom of God transform our life. We will become like him. And so we can rest assured that we know who we are, where we're going. And I love this about Jesus. Right before Jesus knelt down to wash the disciples' feet, it says that he knew where he had been and he knew where he was going. So he knelt down. And beloved, if we want to be able to serve, to love, to humble ourselves, then we have to stop looking at the world the way the world does, and we have to start looking at the world the way Jesus does. Be willing to serve those who are going to turn their back on you. We've got to be willing to lay our life down for those who, who, are, who are avidly opposed to you. We've got to offer forgiveness to those who mock you. You see, you don't just get to become like Jesus part of the way. It's an all-or-nothing deal but it's the best deal you'll ever make. And so the truth is, is that we as believers have to go, hey, I know where I've been. I know my story. I know what's taken place back there. I know who I was and I know who I am. And I know that this is not my home. This is not my forever. This moment doesn't define me. So in this moment, I can choose to lay my life down because it's who Jesus is. It's what he did, and it's what he does, and it's what he commands us to do. And as we do that, we purify our life, our soul, our being to be clarified, to be tolerable, to be beneficial to the world around us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for these moments we get to share. Thank you that your word is alive and living and sharper than any two-edged sword, that it's speaking to our soul. And the more we can listen, the more we can understand, God, that you don't just want a religious relationship where we show up and smile big and act like everything's going to be okay. But Lord, where we get into this book and this book gets into us, it shapes us and changes us and molds us and makes us more like you. 
And Lord, as that happens for our church, God, I pray that we would set our expectations rightly, that we would look upon King Jesus wonderfully, and that we would trust you eternally. God, we honor you today. We thank you for these moments we share. Thank you for this incredible church. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you really, really soon. Have a great Sunday afternoon.